0: Well, this morning, I think I have a unique challenge. It's not often that Christmas falls on Sunday. In fact, it's not going to happen again for another 11 years. So 2033. So there's a part of me this week that wanted to make sure that this was the most epic Christmas sermon that you have ever heard. But it's also Christmas, and I promised you this would be a shorter gathering. So I'm going to preach about half as long as normal. Amen. And for some of you, that will make it the best sermon of the year. <laughs> Merry Christmas. I'm sorry for <laughs> in seriousness, the goal this morning is not to go long. By the way, that's never the goal. But it's not to go long, it's not even to go deep. My goal this morning is to help us to stand in awe. To feel the weight and the wonder of what took place. When Christ was born. When we were together on Christmas Eve, we considered the story, we heard the story of Christ and his birth. (coughs) Besides this morning, we wouldn't retell the story, but instead we would take time to consider what happened when that baby was born in the manger. Specifically, we're going to talk about what it means that Jesus is God and became man. And why that means everything. If you like theological terms, we're going to talk about the nature of the incarnation and the implications of the incarnation. Let's start here. Let's start with this question Where was Jesus before he was born? Or maybe the better question is Who was Jesus before he was born? Now right there, even with that question, we get a hint of how unique Jesus is, because it would be weird for me to ask you, who were you before you were born? I'm sure some people have theories. <laughs> but for most of us, it's not a logical question. We most all agree, I think, that before we were conceived, we did not exist. Amen. But Jesus is different. Before Jesus was conceived in the womb, he had existed for all eternity. He didn't come into existence when Mary became pregnant. No, he had always been. He had existed for all of eternity past as God. John tells us in his gospel chapter one, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He, Christ, was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So John tells us that Jesus, the Word, always has been God. He's been with God the Father for all eternity. He was there. He was active at creation. He was with God, and he was God. Paul tells us the same thing in Philippians. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to open them to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to move around a little bit more than normal, but we will spend a few minutes in Philippians 2. Here, Paul tells us the same thing that John tells us. Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, <laughs> did not count equality with God thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. What Paul tells us here is that before Christ came to earth, before he was in the womb of Mary, he existed in the form of God. Now, in English, this could be interpreted in a way that's misleading or unhelpful. When he says that he's in the form of God, it doesn't mean that he's a version or a variety of God. It's not meant to communicate that he resembled God or shared some similarities with God. No, Paul's telling us that before his birth, Jesus was, in fact, the form of God. Fully God in every way. God in every respect. There was no part of Jesus that could not be described as God. Now, let's go back to our question. Who was Jesus before he was born? John tells us, and Paul tells us, the scriptures tell us that he was fully God, eternally existent, sovereign, and ruling over all. All right, here's another question. We've established who he was before he was born. Here's the next question. What changed when he was born? When we talk about the brother Christ, the incarnation, we say things like, God became man. God took on flesh. God came and dwelt among us. But what does that mean? Does it mean that he transitioned from being God to being man? Does it mean that he became some kind of partial man, partial God hybrid? It's an an important question. After his birth, was Jesus more God or more man? Let's go back to Philippians 2. Verse 6, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Okay, we have established he was God before his birth, but then Paul says Jesus did something. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Okay, the question is, what changed? at the Incarnation. Let me tell you first what this does not mean. This does not mean, it cannot mean, that Jesus ceased to be God. When Jesus emptied himself, he did not empty himself (laughs) of his deity. It can't mean that. Because if we say that Jesus ceased to be God, then we contradict the rest of Scripture. Think about Hebrews chapter 1. Speaking of Jesus In his human state, his incarnation, his time on earth, the writer of Hebrews says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Colossians 1. For in him, Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Think about the Christmas story. The angel comes to Joseph. (coughs) Remember, Joseph was considering Divorce, and the the angel comes to him and says, Don't fear to take Mary as your wife, that which is conceived in her from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And then Matthew tells us this all took place to fulfill what was written by the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and he will call his name, what? Emmanuel, Emmanuel. which means God with with us. us. We could go and look at other passages, but even if we stop here, I think the point is clear. The Bible teaches that Jesus on earth was God. Which means the passage, when it says he emptied himself, cannot mean that he ceased to be God. And so we ask the question, what does it mean then? I think we actually get the answer there in the verse. He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. And being born in the likeness of men. So here's the answer to our question. What changed? (laughs) What is this emptying? When Jesus came, he took something on. He took on the form of a servant, the likeness of men. Which means the emptying is not so much about what he took off, but what he put on. It's not that he stopped being God, but that he took on humanity, it's not about subtraction, it's about addition. Which means that when Jesus was born, here's what changed. He was no longer fully God alone, but he was now both fully God and fully man. And Stephen rightly pointed out in his prayer, it's a mystery. But he's God. God can do things that don't make sense to us. Born in the likeness of men. We've established he's fully God. We've established that when he came, he remained fully God. But he also became fully man. And this is significant. It's critical. We see, even in the matter of his birth, that he came as a man. He didn't just appear. He didn't just show up one day. No, he came into our world through birth. He was conceived in the womb of a virgin. He had a mother. He had a family lineage. And not just as an adopted child, but as a true son, born of the flesh. This is what we confessed together in that confession earlier. Born of the seed of David, of the line of Abraham. Paul says in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth this son born of a woman, born under the law. When Jesus came, he came as God. And he also came as a man. And it's important for our understanding of the wonder of Christmas. To understand the full glory of Christ, we have to understand that he was fully God and fully man. He experienced life, friends, just like you do. He was born like us. He went through infancy like everyone else. He experienced being a toddler. A 10-year-old and a teenager. He experienced the joys of living in this life, feasts and laughter. He experienced the pain of living in this world, loss, sickness, suffering. He had family, he had friends, he had enemies. He experienced the seasons, the hot and the cold. He experienced long days, And probably sleepless nights. He knew what it was like to love someone. And to be loved by someone. The God who created all things came and lived as a part of creation. Veiled in flesh. The Godhead see. Hail incarnate. Deity. (laughs) Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus Our Emmanuel. He was God with us. Which is unbelievable. That God, the sovereign almighty one, would humble himself in this way. Which brings the next question. Why? Why would he do it? Why is it necessary? Why is it significant? To answer that question, we're going to spend the next few minutes in Hebrews 2. So if you want to turn there, I would invite you to. Even on a holiday week. See, we're different than the public school system. Even on the holiday weeks, we have homework. So your homework this week would be to read Hebrews 2. And actually, since you have time off probably, just go ahead and read all of Hebrews. (laughs) Hebrews 2, starting in verse 14. Consider what this says about the purpose of Christ coming fully God and fully man. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, that's us, he himself, Christ, likewise partook of the same things. To what end? That he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Fear in Christ, that's you. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's a six week series right there, okay? We'll get to you in just a few minutes. Jesus came like us And it was necessary For our salvation He came, what the passage tells us So that he could be the defeater of death The defeater of the devil Our representative And our substitute We're going to focus on those last parts He took on flesh to be our representative And to be our substitute Which brings to mind For us this reality This is at the heart of Christmas. You should tell your kids this on Christmas. We're all sinners. And on our own, we have no right to stand before God. In fact, all that we deserve from God is punishment. Our only hope is that someone would stand in our place. Our only hope is that someone would be our substitute, bearing the wrath of God on our behalf. But it can't just be anyone. It must be a perfect, sinless one. And what we see in these verses is that is what Jesus became. He became like us so that he could do all of this on our behalf. Look at verse 14 again. Since, therefore, the children of flesh and blood, us, since we share in flesh and blood, rather, he himself partook of the same things. It's interesting, he said he partook, right? Now, he partook fully, but we come in this way. He started fully God, and then he <laughs> entered in. He partook. He became man. And there was a purpose. Verse 17. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service of God. It's this idea of representation to make propitiation for the sins of the people, a substitute. In order for him to represent us before God as our high priest, in order for him to be our true substitute he had to first become like us made like us in every respect and so this is what we celebrate on christmas that he did in fact become like us and like us in every respect something this brings to mind is that before christ came as a representative we had a natural first representative Paul says in Romans five, therefore, just as one trespass led the condemnation of all men, the sin of Adam, so one act of righteousness (laughs) leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So here we have this comparison between our two representatives. If there is no Christmas, then our representative is Adam. And in Adam, we all die. But in Christ, the one who was born, the one who lived and died, we have a better representative. And not only a representative, but a substitute. Through Adam we are made sinners and we bear the responsibility of our sin. But through the obedience of Christ who came as a man, we can be made righteous. As we think about the birth of Christ, his incarnation, this is the most significant reality. Because he became man and lived perfectly, he is able to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. He took the wrath of God and accomplishes our salvation And this hope is available to anyone who repents and believes. It's not automatic. But if you repent of your sins and place your hope in Christ, your sins can be forgiven. You can be reconciled to God. And you can have the hope of eternal life. It's all possible because Jesus came as our representative. He was in the world and the world was made by him yet the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. But to as many as did receive him who believed in his name, he gives the right to be called children of God. We talk a lot about gifts on Christmas. Consider this gift. To be called children a child of God. <laughs> and this is the love of God made manifest upon us. That he sent his only son. So that we might live through him. And this is the love of God. Not that we love God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is the reason Jesus came. So that he could be our salvation. Our hope. And that's not a bad place to end. But I've still got some time. So here's a final question. What is Christ like today? We considered who he was before his birth. He was fully God for all of eternity past. Something changed on that first Christmas morning. He took on... The nature of a man then becoming not only fully God but also fully man so that he could be our representative and our substitute the question the final question for this morning is where who is he now what we know is that when Christ left he left in his body and when we were told that when he returns he will return in the same way just as he left <laughs> We believe that Christ exists today, still fully God and fully man, which is to say this friends, he hasn't forgotten what it's like to live here. He hasn't forgotten the difficulties and pains of this world. He knows in his flesh what it's like to suffer. He knows because he lived it, what it's like to be tempted. And now he remains in heaven as your mediator and intercessor, the one who understands and is able to sympathize. Hebrews chapter 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. This isn't incarnation, this is ascension. He was here, fully man, and then, you know what he did? He, Christ in the flesh, passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, because he's done this, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So here's here's the hope we have. Because we have a God who now is in heaven, Christ our Savior, fully God, fully man, because he is there at the right hand of the Father, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Friends, many of you this year have felt the need. You've felt helpless, heartbroken. Today's Christmas. It's supposed to be a day of joy, celebration, and worship, but I know some of you, even today, you woke up and thought, I need to be joyful today. You didn't wake up joyful, you woke up trying to give yourself a pep talk. I'm supposed to be joyful today. Some of you have faced things this year that you didn't expect. Some of you are carrying burdens that seem really heavy. Some of you are wondering what this next year holds because it is unclear. Here's what I wanna tell you on this Christmas day. In Jesus, you have not only a savior, Not only someone who rescues you from your sins, but a high priest who understands your weakness. He took on flesh. He understands not only as God, but as man. As someone who has lived and felt the things of this world. As someone who knows abandonment and pain and rejection. As someone who knows what it's like to be tired and weary. He's able to sympathize with your weakness. And He is there for you today ushering you, giving you access to the throne of God. It's through Christ, the one who was born in Bethlehem, through him that you can find mercy and grace to help today. It's because of Christ that even as sinners living in a sinful world, being sinned against, feeling the corruption of the world, even so we can celebrate. Because Christ has come. God became flesh He lived among us. So my prayer for us on the rest of this Christmas day is that we would be amazed at the glory of Christ. Amazed that he came to live as a man. I hope that today you will find moments to stand and wonder. I also pray that you will leave this morning with an awareness of his nearness to you and of his love for you. God, very God, has become like us. One pastor described it this way. What deep descent from the heights of glory to the depths of shame, from the wonders of heaven to the wickedness of earth, from exaltation to humiliation, from the throne to the tree, from dignity to debasement. From the halls of heaven to the nails of earth. From the coronation to the curse. From the glory place to the gory place of the cross. In Bethlehem, humility and glory in their extremes were joined. <clears throat> One in a stable, cradled in a cow trough, wrapped in swaddling clothes of poverty. No room for him who made all rooms. No place for him who knows all places. Oh, the deep humiliation of our creator, born of the creature. But his descent was the dawn of mercy. Because we cannot ascend to him, he descends to us. He is truly Emmanuel, God with us thanks be to god for his inexpressible gift Mm -hmm. let's stand and worship together